This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Let's Talk Arsenal series. A show in which we're joined by a fantastic variety of brilliant guests to talk about our beloved club. And today is no different. I'm very happy to introduce to you this evening. First of all, from the Chronicles of Aguna, it's Harry Simeon. How are you doing, Harry? You good, you well? Hey, mate. All good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. So, so I'm a bit warm. So, I mean, you know, you're better suited to this than me, you know. Like, <laughs> how was Turkey, by the way? Was it great? I know you enjoyed went out there for the Champions League final. Um, but, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, what was it you said to me? A Greek Cypriot in Turkey is... Uh, is <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not the most comfortable thing. Um, but no, it was it was fine. Um, the people were nice. The, the weather was beautiful. Obviously, uh, the occasion was, was a great one, particularly if you're a Man City fan. Um, and it was just, look it's just a pleasure to be working on games like that. Like if you think, you know, both of us where we started sort of with a, a YouTube channel or a podcast to be in a position where we're working on those kind of games is, is amazing. So um, mm. yeah, it's, it's an opportunity that you got to take. And, and I have to say, I enjoyed the trip on the whole, even if Man City did win. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, no, it looked like good fun. Uh, and all the all the stuff you did with the uh, ex-players, Patrick Vieira and the like, looked fantastic. So yeah, glad you enjoyed it. Um, we're also welcoming for his debut on the channel, a man that knows how to string out an introduction for the likes of Peter Drury, but I'm not going to string this one out much longer. It's Charlie Willard from Haters. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm, I'm very, very good, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not bad. How did you find your, uh, you know, you've spoken to a couple of uh, people in the biz, if you like, over the last couple of weeks or so. Has it been good? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been different because I'm not really, I've not really jumped into the whole podcast scene too much. And then I got mm. asked to, to host a few and, um, and yeah, it's been going well. We've had Darmesh, uh, Darmesh from Sky Sports on the first one and then Peter Drury, uh, which the first episode's out today, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Peter Drury and you go, wow, don't you? Incredible commentator. So yeah, mate, it was crazy. Mm. There's only one commentator I rate more highly and he's sitting in the top right-hand corner of this screen. So uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, not, not Peter Drury, man. Come on. Man. I would I would have taken that on some others, but not Peter Drury. 
yeah, legendary. It's exciting to see him on Sky next season as well, and seeing him do some uh, some UK-based commentary more so next season. So Arsenal fans will be delighted with that, I'm sure. A good morning, good evening, good afternoon to those joining us in the chat box wherever you happen to be in the world. Thank you so much for doing so. So good to see so many of you as always for that. Uh, got a brand new uh, member as well, Diaz Ceballos, uh joins us as well. So thank you for supporting the channel, and good evening, good afternoon, good morning to everybody else. Of course, uh, we'll be tackling some of your questions in the second half of the show. So make sure you save those up as well. But yesterday I chatted to Ben Jacobs about kind of the, the lesser spoken about names with Arsenal transfers at the moment, like Moises Caicedo, Xavi Simmons. We're getting back to the headline acts today uh, in the wake of, of course, Arsenal's uh, two bids that we've seen going so far for Declan Rice. And then yesterday evening, uh, I don't know about you, Harry, but I'm finding this very frustrating that news is dropping at like 11pm at night. It's, it's happening too often. Uh, it's, it's really not my bag seeing this breaking news, but we learned that Man City had bid uh, their first bids around, I think it was half 10, 11 o'clock at night. David Ornstein, the Athletic, breaking the news. And then this morning, I think it was uh, Jason Burt at the Telegraph uh, around, I think it was half eight, because I was literally just wrapping up my show as it broke. And we had to do kind of a Marvel style end credit scene to talk about it. Um, but what have you made of the, the Man City involvement in the Declan Rice saga over the last 24 hours? I've got to say, I didn't think the bid was coming. I wasn't sure that it was actually going to come. Um, it was really, really annoying for me because I got my first call up yesterday to the TalkSport transfer show between 8 and 10. And yeah. I spent the beginning of it talking about how I felt that Arsenal had been disrespected and people had almost dismissed the appeal of Arsenal and Mikel Arteta's side. And I didn't say that Manchester City weren't going to bid, but I did say I'm starting to wonder how concrete their interest is to use Fabrizio's phrase of the window, concrete. And then as soon as I get on the train to come home, uh, after that, I get the ping, uh, the dreaded David Ornstein tweet, which basically <laughs> says um, that, of course, they've made that bid. Look, it, it's hard to know what to make of this, I think, because we'd heard that they were interested. It seemed to take them an age to actually make an offer. But at the same time, when you actually break it down and you think about the offer they've made, which is of exactly the same value overall, as Arsenal's, albeit maybe on a different structure and maybe with more money up front, etc. It does beg the question, how serious are they? People keep saying, how serious are Arsenal? Because they know what West Ham want and they're just refusing to meet it at this point. But how serious are Manchester City to make an offer of a value that has just been knocked back for another club? It's, it's all so confusing. It feels like a game of chess and because... It seems so complex. I'm sort of reluctant to jump to any conclusions with regards to what these these two sides are, are trying to do here. I did jokingly say to Tom um, and, and some other friends in a WhatsApp group this morning uh, that Mikel Arteta had picked the phone up to Pep Guardiola and asked him to make a bid just to show Manchester uh, to show West Ham that actually that's happened. Crazy. That was and, confirmed to us today on Talksport, mate. And, it was literally, and, and someone literally sat on national radio and said that today. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it at this moment in time. What I will say is I am sick of this whole thing. Um, I'm sick of going through Twitter <laughs> and reading nonsense information, people guessing stuff like the bid is going to be within the next 24 hours. We've been hearing that for a week <laughs> or, you know, Declan Rice still prefers Arsenal or, you know, Arsenal are edging closer to the £100 million mark. Literally easy stuff like 
easy guesswork. That's what we're getting from so many different people because they want to be the first to say this or first to say that. And the truth is, I don't think anybody really knows exactly what's going on behind the scenes. I think it's um, a really, really difficult situation to read. And so I think I'm at the point where I'm just going to give up now and just kind of wait <laughs> until we get um, a little bit more confirmation around stuff because you can speculate every day, but we're going around in circles. Mm. Yeah, no, we are. Uh, it certainly feels that way. I mean, Charlie, I'll get your thoughts before we go into some of the specifics on the same line. So, you know, Man City coming in, they finally made that bid after so many suggestions that their bid would come. Were you surprised that perhaps the the value of that bid matched the value of our both of our first two bids? Yes, the structure was different and more favourable and West Ham rejected out of hand, it seems. But were you surprised they actually went in at that £90 million figure? Yeah, I was a little bit. Um, but going back to Harry's point, that where he was saying he's getting a bit sick and tired of everything. Unfortunately, as we know, this is the beauty of uh, of not just the summer transfer window, but transfers in general. The amount of rubbish you'll hear all the time, even during the season, you'll hear that someone's in talks with someone. It's just part and parcel of of, of a transfer window. And yeah, I was quite surprised because you see a club like Manchester City, everyone talks about how much money they've got and uh, the presence they've got as a club and they come in for a player like Declan Rice it's obviously going to it's going to raise it's going to raise the alarms in uh, with in in and within Arsenal but yeah I, I just I think that I think the problem is with this deal is it is it's such a big deal not just in general the two clubs within the Premier League as well I don't think the Premier League wants to lose a player like Declan Rice and when you've got two clubs like Arsenal and Manchester City fighting for him it it does take time and that, that is the most annoying thing in the world and um, going back to what I said on my introduction in this, we spoke to Darmish on, on the podcast and we were actually talking about the different factors, when it, what happens of, of how you actually sign a player. And listen, I know I'm reading your chat here on the right and you, you see all the time on Twitter about how frustrating people get. Why can't you just pay the money, pay the extra 10 million? It's yeah. not that much. It really, really is not as simple as that. And as much as, listen, we're all Arsenal fans here. As much as we just want to see that post from Arsenal and that says, Arsenal confirmed Declan Rice, welcome to Arsenal. It does take time. It's a bit frustrating, but um, but look, I don't know. I was just a bit, I'm just a bit shocked that it's taken this much time. And you've seen Man City come mm. in the race and I've looked at it and gone, right, well, is this, the, is this the dream over? But from what I've heard and I think what we've all read, we've seen, we've seen the fact that Declan Rice, I think, favours more a move to Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, uh, Harry, I, I couldn't really... I was surprised, to be honest, by the 90 million total value of their bids because, yes, there'd been talk that they were considering, they were monitoring. My understanding of the situation from the Man City perspective was is they were kind of monitoring it, seeing that Arsenal couldn't agree a fee and seemingly weren't willing to go to that 100 million valuation. And then to go in at that same 90 million figure, I know that... Uh, what I've been a bit frustrated of is, is the coverage and kind of the... Um, it's got a bit catty, if I'm honest, between some journalists actually online, I feel, in the last few weeks, in the sense of some are saying, I can't believe, you know, some people are saying that there's not much difference between the bids, or I can't believe that some people are saying um, there is, you know, the, the, the bids are very different. Because, look, people have different information at the end of the day. But what I, I, what I think is surprising is the fact that it is 90 million that they bid, and it wasn't closer to that 100 million, which is a very clear public valuation that they have. Do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, the, the amount, you know, is, is the same. However you want to dress it up and however you want to sort of 
break down the structure of it, ultimately West Ham would stand to receive the same amount of money from both clubs. So it's literally a matching of the offer. Okay, there's a few tweaks in it, the type of tweaks that, you know, you would feel obviously West Ham would prefer. Obviously, I get that. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not oh, saying some difference <laughs> there. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah, it's it is strange, um, and and this is why I'm I'm stuck with this because I d- I don't know where this goes next, you know. And and again tonight we've got reports coming out saying that Arsenal have verbally communicated to West Ham that they intend to make a third bid. But what have they been doing for the last week then? Like, <laughs> and and this is the point. Like all you're getting is just add-ons on top of existing information just a, a little change of the wording a little sort of slight shift of the angle and the truth is that nothing has progressed to our knowledge at this stage and that's what's frustrating about this I think it would be a bit embarrassing for Arsenal if we don't manage to get this player over the line given that so many are still reporting even now that Declan Rice prefers to come to Arsenal in a weird way Manchester City entering the picture the way they have with you know, having submitted a bid, it, it could benefit us in the long run because if we do get this deal done, it looks like a massive, massive win for Arsenal. So there's clearly yeah. more risk now, more jeopardy going into the sort of business end of this thing. But at the same time, if we do pull it off now, I think we look great. And and if Declan Rice does choose Arsenal, I think that that is a real big statement. And that really does, I think, push Arsenal sort of status up and and that's another thing I was saying last night was the disrespect shown towards Arsenal and their appeal as a football club and Mikel Arteta's individual appeal and and everything else it's it's driven me insane so if Declan Rice was to make that decision then you know I think it's a big big win for us but Mm. I I can't give you any more because I don't know where this is going I don't know what the next stage is I don't know you know what comes next i wouldn't put it past arsenal offering below 100 million again and mm. i know people will say that's ridiculous and crazy and it's going to cause a big problem but i wouldn't put it past them moving up to 95 million well I'll, let me throw that to charlie and i'll come I'll, I'll go full circle back to you harry on that point if the suggestions are charlie that arsenal are quote unquote getting closer to the 100 million valuation, you know, in the grand scheme of football, the difference between 90 million and 10 million and 100 million, sorry, it's not a massive chasm if we're honest. If like, and I don't want to go into the semantics of well, would you pay 101, 102, 103? You know, you gradually get more. But if we are supposedly putting in a, a bid that's close to that 100 million valuation that is said what West Ham are apparently looking for. What do you think is stopping Arsenal from just going and hitting the effort button and just, you know, putting in that £100 million valuation bid? Uh, you know what, right? I actually had this conversation with someone yesterday. I think I think it's almost like the million-dollar question because we can all sit here. Like, like on, my, on my first sort of answer, we can all sit here and say, just pay the money. You'll be surprised mm. how much a club has, like, an exact detailed plan of how they want to process things. And remember, this summer, Arsenal are going to be spending a hell of a lot of money. Like, despite if we don't sign Red Declan Rice or not, the, 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 obviously the backup plan, I guess, is your Caicedo or Lavia. But they're still, it's, it's, even if, you, if you're not spending a £95 million, pound, I, the, the thing that's frustrating me most is 10 million, like you said, it, in the grand scheme of 
the traditional market isn't actually that much money. Like it really, really is not that much money. When Declan Rice is costing a hundred million pound in first mm. place, you sort of have to question things. But again, this is the market that we live in. I think, I think what's stopping it is maybe, I don't know how to explain it. I think it's more, it's almost goes back to the old, old sayings of, of when people like two, two businessmen are trying to fight for, for almost one price. It's what was going at, edging at, edging at the price a little bit. Like, they will bid you one pound more. Do you remember Luis Suarez? The Luis Suarez did years ago. After bidding one yeah, I just put it into the chat. We're going to bid 98 million plus one million. That's what we're going to do. Exactly that. Exactly that. West Ham deserve that. Good. Yeah, they, Good. they absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Sure. Literally. Um, and I think the biggest problem is the fact that Arsenal don't want to just lay up a hundred million pound at once. They want to do this whole add-on thing. And um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the whole add-on thing was the reason why it got rejected was not only just wasn't as close to 100 but the actual add-ons were too unrealistic yeah so again no one's exactly no one's really going to know exactly what's going on there but um i'll be surprised if i'm being deadly honest i'll be surprised if arsenal bid 100 million pound like straight up very 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 surprised i think with the add-ons i think arsenal's net bid maybe 95 million i don't know what you boys think but i just can't see if they're, if they're budging Around like 75, 80, 85, 90, I can't then see them mm. pushing in another 10 million unless they want to throw everything at it. But they've got a plan and I don't think they want to go overboard. But in my opinion, 10 million is that overboard? Probably not. But to them, yeah. it's probably a lot more than we see. I think that they've already bid more than what they value Rice at. You know, I don't think they value Rice at 90 million pounds, you know, and there were suggestions that I think have some credibility that. At the beginning of the window, I think Arsenal felt a bid of upwards of 80 million would get it done, and it's not. And now West Ham, obviously, with Man City coming in, which there was always potentially a feeling that it would, and then winning the Conference League, which means they're in the Europa League for next season. Factors have obviously changed the situation. What I think Arsenal have done well to do is get the talking points of this deal from 120 million down to 100 million instead, you know, because there were very real suggestions that West Ham wanted 120 million at the, after that UEFA Conference League final. Um, West Ham are buzzing because it's, I think, whatever happens, it's win win for West Ham at this stage. You know, either they keep him, which they're more than happy to do because, you know, <sighs> At the end of the day, and this is how mad football has got, £100 million to West Ham United in this world of chaotic, you know, what money Premier League clubs make, you know, now being in the Europa League as well. It's it's not game-changing for them as much as it is keeping a player like Declan Rice because they've got to replace the guy. And whoever they replace is not going to be probably close to as good as what Declan Rice is. And... It's a if they get the money, amazing for them, sure. But even then, I don't think a hundred million in these day and age of football for a club like West Ham is is game changing. You know, we've seen teams waste money with that amount of figure on multiple players numerous times back in the day when players' value was even you know lower. You think about Spurs, how they used the Gareth Bale money, for instance. You know, they wasted that on players like Soldado and Nasser Chadley. You know, I think they got one good player, which was uh, Ericsson out of that deal in the end. And, you know, it's really easy to waste it. So I think from West Ham's perspective, they're buzzing because uh, Man City have obviously now come in. But Harry, let me ask you that same question. I saw someone, I think it was Akmal in the chat said, 
if Arsenal are ruthless, I'll try and find it while I'm scrolling up. I'm pretty sure it was Akmal. Uh, said, uh, why? I oh, hear it is Abdul, sorry. Um, Akmal is one of our members. Abdul said, Tom, we have to be ruthless. They want 100 million. Offer it. And if they refuse it, we should just move on to the next target. I'm scared that we won't end up with either of Rice or Kaiseida. I, the thing is, I, I agree with what you were saying before. I agree with what both of you were saying. I, I don't think that Arsenal value Declan Rice at £100 million, and it's as simple as that. Mm. Um, people will sit there and say, why don't you just pay the money? Why don't you just close the gap? If you want him that badly, it shouldn't be a problem. But that's not the reality of, of the world we live in. Arsenal Football Club operate in a certain way. And I've said this for months now. I, I've said it to you guys, Tom, on WhatsApp. I, I look at what Arsenal have spent over the last few years. I look at the fact that they've done all of that without having Champions League football, which has obviously left its its mark on the finances. And I think there was always going to come a point where they were going to have to pull back a little bit on the spending. Now, we got to a point last season where we pushed for the Premier League title, surpassed everybody's expectations. I think even our own as a football club. And recognize now that if we can take that next step, we're actually a lot closer to being right at the top table than we were expecting to be at this point. But we need to invest this summer. And so what Arsenal are trying to do is to make that investment, but do it in a in a way that doesn't kill them and in a way where they're almost gambling on these players being a success over the course of the next two, three seasons and recouping the money that way. That's that's how Arsenal are looking at it. You know, if we can stay in the Champions League for the next three, four seasons, then spending this kind of money on Declan Rice, which we want to pay gradually, isn't a problem. You know, people keep talking about the Kai Havertz deal. Why do we do that if we don't have the money to get the Declan Rice thing over the line? Yeah, there's a £60 million odd guaranteed fee, but I can guarantee you they're not paying it all in one go. And it'll be the same with the deal that they're negotiating for Yuri and Timber as well. Arsenal are, are going to spend money, but they are going to spread that cost over a long period of time. That's the way football works now. I read something earlier today, Chelsea, £600 million spend over the last couple of windows. And I think they've only put down about £200 million of that up front. The rest of it is spread over a period of time. That's the way it goes now. It's a really, really common thing. And I, I don't think that the big issue is reaching the 100 million necessarily. I think the structure is more the problem for West Ham United. I think that they're looking at it and going, well, we want a lot of this and we want it, a lot of it up front and we want a lot of it within the first couple of years so that we can reinvest it. And I think that's where Arsenal are struggling a bit. I think they are a bit strapped for cash in terms of having big chunks of money to be able to put down on individual players. And that will sound crazy and people will, will slate me for saying that. But I really do genuinely believe that's the case. And it's why I've said for the last two, three months, it was never going to be Rice and Caicedo. Never. It wasn't going to happen. Mm. It was always going to be one or the other. And then they were going to try and do some deals around that. Um, and and so I'm not massively surprised with what I'm seeing unfold right now. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said, Tom, in that, like in the grand scheme of things, five, 10 million in football is is not the end of the world. And, you know, sometimes you're going to have to take that leap of faith and you're going to have to, knock things around a little bit to make that happen but I also think there's a a worry about setting a precedent you know you look at Manchester United as a prime example of this a club that have consistently overpaid for players finding themselves now in a situation where they're trying to do a deal for Mason Mount who's got a year left on his contract has told everybody that he doesn't want to be at Chelsea anymore 
And they're struggling to get that done for 50 million plus add-ons because of the Man United tax, because everybody knows that eventually United will back down. They did it with Lissandro Martinez. They did it with Anthony. And Arsenal are afraid, I think, of, of showing that side of themselves. I also think that Arteta and Edu play a big part here as well. I know it's ultimately down to the owners to sign a check and, and all the rest of it. But I honestly think that they're so strong in their principles that they have a limit with regards to what they would be willing to spend on certain players. And we've seen them walk away from deals before when they got crazy. And um, I'm I'm starting to fear that if this one continues, you know, and it continues to be a back and forth between us and Manchester City and, uh, and West Ham continue to dig their heels in, that we might see this one get away from us as well. Mm. Charlie, if it, if for whatever reason this deal doesn't happen and that might be the Man City get the player or he stays at West Ham because Arsenal are unwilling to reach a figure or a payment structure that West Ham want. How damaging is that to Arsenal and how confident are you that they will react in this window to that hit? I think that as a whole, it's damaging. Because mm. remember, football football tends to be run by the fans these days in terms of their opinion. So yeah. as a whole... Did I use the word it, disaster to describe it? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think that's being polite, Tom, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah. Because it isn't a good look, is it? Let's be honest. Um, this is a player that... I actually like comparing this deal a little bit um, to your Jack Grealish. Because he was at Aston Villa for a long time. Um, he didn't want to leave Villa in, in a state. He wanted to leave uh, as a... not bit different to Rice in the sense of leave of a trophy, but he wanted to to leave on a high, set things right and, and move on to bigger and better things. Um, and that deal was a little bit easier for, for Grealish because realistically, Man City just had the money to go, right, here we go. Aston Villa were happy. They could reinvest. And what Harry said a minute ago about, I think the biggest problem is just, it's just the reinvesting. It's the reinvesting and... Arsenal, Arsenal are really, really going to struggle because, like Harry said as well, the morals for Arsenal as a, as a football club is not to is not to just throw money away, and it, it's really damaging for that if that is the case. Because if they let this deal go, you then go right. Plan B. What is Plan B? Because from what we've read this whole summer, and remember, this has been going for a few years because mm. Arsenal have been linked with Rice for a long time. Is what we want Rice, we want Rice, we want this, we want that, and we see other deals happening before your Declan Rice. So realistically, you have to look at it and go, right, is that actually your priority? Or is that is this the hardest deal to make happen? And that is exactly that. This is the hardest deal to make happen. Yes, it's the most amount of money. But realistically, out of the, all the players that Arsenal were linked with, you look at it and you go, well, from what we've read, Rice is more like more inclined to join Arsenal have any any player, maybe Timber on the side. Mm-hmm. Timber looks like he, he loves the Arsenal. But I just, I just find it, uh, us as fans, we just find it so frustrating. And... It, Work aside, let's put work aside for a second. We, we we sit back and we go, he wants to join. Arsenal want him. Like, just 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 sign him. Just get it done. Just get it done. I can see literally your chat is just full with people like, oh, do spend this amount of money or do this, do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, but the, my question to you boys now is, what is plan B? How how do we get out of, out of plan A if it doesn't happen? Because that is, mm. I think as a club sitting down, because Edu and Arteta have their pull, they have their say. But again, like Harry said, the owners are the ones that sign uh, sign the check. So realistically, mm. where, where do we go? But yeah, to answer your question, it, it will be more than just disastrous because this is what Arsenal wanted for, I wouldn't say just this season, for a few seasons now. 
Mm, yeah, look, Arsenal have been tracking the guy for a long, long time, but it's only until now where they've had the capacity to be able to move for a player like Declan Rice and compete with players like clubs rather like City and Chelsea, United, etc. For for that level of player, and and if Arsenal can pull it off, it's a real statement signing, as Harry said earlier on. Um, you know, the well, you mentioned earlier, Harry, the, the Rice Sado thing was never you know realistic. You know, I think that that was kind of born out of the fact that Arsenal had an interest in both players, so there was an assumption that Arsenal would move for both players. You know, they moved for Caicedo in January because if you were to get Rice in January, you were going to have to put bids upwards of hundred million. It turned out that that was probably the same for Caicedo as well. Maybe Arsenal just still went for it anyway, but were told very swiftly that. It didn't matter what they bid, it wasn't going to get the deal done. Um, do you feel as though maybe how the Caicedo deal for Chelsea has stalled? Um, they're not willing to go to the you know the asking price the Brighton one. I've I've heard on fairly decent authority that Brighton would be looking for around 80 million uh for, for Caicedo. Do you think that he would be the obvious alternative that they would move to if Rice isn't successful? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think based on what we've heard, read, and, and based on the fact that we tried to get that deal done in January, you have to assume that. Um, but I think we're wrong to assume what Mikel Arteta's priority targets are because I don't think anybody thought that Kai Havertz was a priority. Yet here we are looking at pictures of Kai Havertz in an Arsenal kit with a bigger smile on his face than he had when he joined Chelsea, by the way. Um, it is difficult to, to to sort of know exactly who the target would be, who the priority would be. But I'll tell you this, if there's one club that you don't want to negotiate with, if you're trying to save a few quid, it's Brighton. Mm. Um, so that doesn't feel like it's a particularly straightforward deal to do either, um, particularly if Arsenal in their minds have a valuation that, again, they're not going to be willing to go beyond. I think it's really, really important that we just don't overreact right now because, you know, we could be sitting here in a week talking about Declan Rice joining Arsenal. We could equally be sitting here and saying that he's going to Man City. You know, I, I get that, but the possibilities are open at the moment. And I think you got to take mute again. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's like my mic disconnects when it feels like it. Is it back? Now? It disagrees with you. That's uh... yeah, it's a Man City <laughs> fan, Harry. That's what it is. Like. Yeah, <laughs> probably pulling the plug, pulling the plug. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult to kind of to know how to feel right now, and I think it's important that we don't overreact because at the end of the day, you know, he could end up an Arsenal player. He might not. And I think we've seen Arsenal in recent seasons pivot really well from one target to another. So, you know, you think back to last January, Mikhailo Mudrik was being spoken about. Everybody sort of went into meltdown when we heard that Chelsea had gazumped us in that one. And then we pivoted to Leandro Trossard, got him in good value, good price, good player, 
come in and had a really positive impact. So I think there's a part of me now that wants to, and I don't want to say trust in the process because I know people hate it when I say that, but there's a part of me that believes now that we have the right people in place to make the right decisions and and that there will be a plan B and there will be someone in mind should this um, go in the opposite direction to to that that we want it to. So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm chilled. I'm cool with it at the moment. I'm just, I am just growing frustrated by basically people pretending to know more every single day to drive a few clicks and 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 some of the story i mean some of the stories i don't want to dig out individuals i'm sorry but some of the stories you click on them and you read them and it is literally a regurgitation of exactly what they said a week ago mm. they just slightly tweak the headline to get everybody to click like i know you, people have got a job to do i get that but I don't know. Some people love it and lap it up. But for me, I need to block it out right now because it's driving me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked him on the show tonight so we could talk about rice. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to to part two now, uh, which is gonna, obviously going to tackle uh, questions from you guys in the chat box. So uh, if you've got a question, uh, please use the capital Q. Uh, it helps them stand out and I can see them much easier. Uh, before we do, uh, I obviously want to give the boys a shout out. Harry, tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, you can check out the Chronicles of Aguna Arsenal podcast. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Harry Simi. You can find me on the radio. Um, and yeah, well, I'm different places, different days. So 90 <laughs> minutes as well. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it harder out. not to find Harry somewhere these days. So <laughs> make sure that you are uh, checking everything out that uh, is on offer. Uh, Charlie, thank you uh, for coming on as well. Uh, great debut so far. I'm looking forward to the second half. Tell people they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, first of all, Tom, we've known each other now for a few years, so I do uh, finally get me invitation. Two years? It's been about a year. <laughs> oh, it feels like a few years. Uh, I'm sorry. Joking. No, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm joking. No, thank you for the invite, mate. Um, I, I watch this all the time, so it's class to be on here. Um, but yeah, you can, I mean, where's my name? Oh, there we go. Um, my Instagram is literally just that, uh, and Twitter is is very similar. Um, I'm with haters at the moment. Uh, we've got loads of cool podcasts uh, coming out some really really exciting guests lined up so uh yeah you can as harry said i'm here and there everywhere so uh, i'm sure you'll, you'll you'll see my face somewhere there you go uh make sure you check out harry and charlie's stuff it's fantastic that's why they're on the channel uh thing, thing for me just halfway through uh i mentioned this on this morning's show so make sure if you're not aware of it to please become aware of it uh the end of july on july 31st i'm going to be doing a longest day golf challenge uh which is 72 holes in one day, which is about 14 hours. Uh, it's a it's the length of a marathon. Uh, you're just walking and playing golf at the same time uh, to raise money for uh, Macmillan Cancer Support. Of course, we lost, uh, sadly lost one of our, our very dedicated listeners last year, Vinnie Eagle, um, sadly died of esophageal cancer. And uh, Macmillan was a big, big support of his. And uh, in honor of Vinnie, we're going to be raising money for Macmillan. So if you would please uh, be so generous to check the link into today's video description uh, to donate anything um, that you can. We would very, very much appreciate it. So thank you. Um, let's go to part two then and tackle the questions that are coming in thick and fast in the chat box. Uh, let's go to, um, I suppose we've, we should tackle this first. We've mentioned Caicedo, but Charlie, Rice Alternatives, other than Caicedo, is there anyone else that you can see even matching up this summer for Arsenal to potentially go through that wouldn't feel like a bit of a disappointment, I guess? 
other than Casado. Mm. Probably Yelavia, maybe. Maybe I, I'm looking at it like I think you know what? I'm not avoiding the question, but I'm looking at it like I see Rice alternatives, and it actually makes me sad. Like I'm not joking; it actually makes me sad because <laughs> I think I've got my mind set on it completely. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm looking at. Uh, I heard of Fafana. I heard Fafana was was mm. thrown up there as well, uh, a past player. Um, Hmm. I'd, I'd probably say yeah for Farna. There's a few people in the chat saying saying that as well. Um, I'm not really going to. I don't really know a, a hell of a lot about him, so I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to spill off loads of stuff I don't know. But for Farna, definitely from what I've read anyway, that he's probably going to be the alternative. I don't know about you boys, but that's what I've read. Yeah, Harry, any quick names for a jump a question to you? Um, it, it depends on where you see Rice playing, by the way. If yeah. you see him as an eight, mm. then it changes things. If you see him as a six, it's very different. At this stage, if we're talking about the six position, then I'm keeping Thomas Partey. I'm making sure that he doesn't go. And um, and I'm going to take my time and I'm going to look around and, and find the right player. I've heard the name for Fana as well. Don't know an awful lot about him. So he wouldn't be one that I'd be rushing to. Um Frankie de Jong could be available, but for me, he's not really a six, isn't really an eight. Yeah. I, I don't really know what Frankie de Jong is. He's, <laughs> he's, I, I just don't know what he is. Um, Zubimendi, someone we've been linked with a lot, so I'd be interested to take another look at him, a closer look at him. I've seen João Palinha coming up in the chat as well. Not mm. sure he's at the technical level um, that we require, but certainly physically up there. But it's, it's difficult because it feels like we're all in on rice. We haven't even had time to think about anybody else. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's difficult to think about anyone else at the moment because there's just so much focus on it. Uh, we had a couple of super chats uh, come in from Rahul, uh, who says Man City are waiting for Arsenal's third bid to then go up on us. Uh, we've already spent 100 million with Havertz and Timber coming in. Uh, give West Ham United Partey and take Declan Rice, says Rahul. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm in favour necessarily of that one, but uh, it's an interesting tactic. Um Harry Connor says, is Reese Nelson good enough to be the Saka backup winger? We've tried to sign a right wing for multiple windows now, and we seem to be relying on him. He's good enough in terms of his talent, but I just don't think he's a right-sided player. I think he's so much more effective from the left. Mm. And yeah, I feel like you're taking something away from Reese Nelson if you put him out on the right-hand side. And I don't think it's necessarily fair on him. So no, I, I don't think he's the backup to Saka. Um, I think Kai Havertz could at times play as the backup to Saka. I think that Kai Havertz could play through the middle and Jesus could be the backup to Saka on the right wing, which is a position he played really well for Manchester City for a number of years. So I think that we'll we'll be able to give Saka the breathers he needs with the squad options that we're going to have at our disposal. But I wouldn't say Reese Nelson is the direct cover for him. Mm, I agree. Uh, moving to the next question. Thank you, Connor, for that. Uh, we've got Mr. Momo Man says, uh, do you think, Charlie, our Chelsea and City signings are bringing experience for the Champions League, like Jorginho and Havertz, considering most of our squad has never played in the competition and Arteta, of course, has never been in the Champions League as a manager? Yeah, I think uh, what I was going to say on that with Arteta making these signings, I think, Bar maybe, I, I'm not really a massive fan of Fabio Vieira. I think mm. he's sort of got it spot on with, and again, Jorginho and Havertz were two names, especially Havertz, was thrown at us that we've gone, okay, right, let's just, 
let's see how they get on. Jorginho's come in and, and done a really, really good job, um, in my personal opinion. And I think Havertz will probably do the same thing. Um, I think that the big difference is not only of, obviously their play styles, but the money. Havertz is coming in on a bigger, much bigger budget than uh, the Jorginho did. Um, but the experience-wise is interesting because you've got Havertz, who was known for that Champions League winning goal for Chelsea. I mean, every Chelsea fan is going to remember that. And no matter him signing for Arsenal or not, I think every Chelsea fan is going to be very much grateful for that memory. Um, but yeah, these are these are two these are two players that have not only had Champions League experience, Jorginho as well uh, in, the, in within the Euros. I know that's not very much loved with us England fans, but these are two players that played in massive competitions, in massive games. And mm. when you go into Champions League or any European competition, you need experience. Arsenal have got a very, very young squad. Havertz coming in also quite young. Georgino very experienced as well. I think it's, for me, they're two players that not only add experience, but add a, add a bit more maturity as well to this team. We've seen, our, we've seen our squad mature massively the whole season considering we finished second in the league, overachieved or or bottles, whatever, everyone, anyone, whatever anybody wants to say about us. We've matured massively as a team, considering we bottled top four as such the season before. Um, but yeah, 100 million percent, these Chelsea and City signings as well. I missed that um, with Jesus and Sinchenko. Look what they added to us this season, uh, last season just gone. I mean, of, of course, Jesus was out for quite a period of time with that injury, but the impact he had at the start of the season, from my personal opinion, let me know what you think in the chat, guys, but it was so cool to watch. Them, them first game, few games that he was playing was just elegant, the way he moved through the moves through the field. I mean, that assist, uh, that assist he had at Bournemouth, if you remember mm. that, that goal to Odegaard, I mean, that's the sort of level of a player we've got. And Harry's bang on what he said about Reese Nelson. Jesus is very versatile. Very, very, very... Uh, Jesus is very versatile. You can mm. sort of move him around. And I think that's the same as Havertz. Um, Zinchenko, a player that's a complete leader, not only experienced, but he, he just brings so much of his personality traits to the team. Um, so bringing in these players isn't the worst thing in the world. It's a lot better to maybe the, the Petr Cech, David Luiz sort of vibe and the Willian vibes that we had um, <laughs> from the last yeah. few years. These are a bit more of a step up. Indeed, yeah. I, I think even if we were to sign Rice, you add Timber as well to that. Havertz is the signing that excites me the most because I'm so intrigued about what we might do, what talent we can extract. And when I, you know, seeing him at Bayer Leverkusen, appreciate as probably the best young German talent of his generation, you know, at that age, at that time, if you can harness that ability, you know, you've got a hell of a player on your hands. Um, going back to the, the Rice thing, Tom says we might already have a plan B to Rice. Ben White, Timber and Tommy Asu take the right back role. So keep Partey and bring in Lavia and we're sorted. Potentially, I still feel like we need more quality for a season, you know, back in the Champions League next year though. Uh, first last says, Harry, do you think spending big in previous summers has now caught up to us on our available funds this summer, especially with the paying for previous deals over multiple years? 100%. 100%. I've been saying it for a little while. Um, I think it is an issue. I think it is a problem. I think for all the good work that KSE have done, they haven't completely changed their operating model. I think they've made adjustments and, and I think refinanced some of the club's debt in order to make more money available over the last few years when we were without Champions League football. But I, I don't think their business strategy has dramatically changed in terms of you know, them now going to their pockets and, and lining us up with cash to drop on players. I think they know that the club can make the money over the course of the next few years, hence why they want to spread the cost of these deals. 
And I do think it's caught up with us. I really, really do. Now, that's not necessarily something we should throw our hands up in the air and, and complain about because it was always kind of coming. Um, but it is the reality of the situation we face right now. I think, again, as I said before, we will spend money, but we need to do it in a way whereby we're very careful with what we put down in the first place. And then we need the strategy to work because we're going to be paying for this for the next three, four, maybe even five seasons. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting point. I mean, let me follow it on to you, Charlie. We talk about, you know, these payments catching up with us. The obvious thing I can imagine people will be thinking, but Stan Kroenke is a billionaire. Like, <laughs> you know, why are these payments, why are these summers catching us? Why are we not with a very, very wealthy owner spending more money? Because... Again, football clubs are, are run in all different kind of ways. Every club sort of runs on a similar structure, but with Arsenal, it's a sort of they don't want to splurge too much cash at once. Every the one the one similarity every football club will have is is majority of these big, big money spending. So like your Grealishes and even Arsenal's one, Nicolas Pepe, is all split between different payments to make it a lot easier to fund for the club. Um, and again, yeah, it is catching up massively. I think because Arsenal. Don't get me wrong, I've spent nowhere near the likes of, of, of your Chelsea, but they've spent a lot of money and it doesn't just, it's not just one check and you give it and, and you hand it in and that's it. You've still got to be paying things back. It's just like all of us when we've got to pay our bills. It all it all comes to you at some point, can't run away. Um, and yeah, it is, it, yeah, it has, caught, it has caught up to us big time, I think, 100%. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, how much Arsenal end up investing in this window. Obviously, there is it's going to be structured. It's the investment that we pay in this window is not going to be sixty million for Havertz, forty million for Timber. You know, you're going to pay those in instalments. Then you'll be paying those back. You know, in future windows as well. So, I've always said I feel like this is the window for Arsenal to go big, and then you look at more self sufficiency in the future, uh, even as soon as as 2024. But for me, I feel like this is the window that Arsenal should be going big, getting in the five, six maybe players that they need. And then in the future windows, you're adding one or two or a push three, you know, to the squad. But this is the window to really kind of grab hold of. Um, Efosa says, what do you gents think about Arsenal not putting in any bid until Man City made their second bid? Uh, ideally, Man City bidding 100 million and Arsenal's bid matches that and then Declan Rice decides. But I suppose, Harry, that's kind of a question around should we wait for our next offer to go in when Man City make their second bids, if it's accepted? No, for me, we just need to get on with it. Um, I understand what people That's are saying. That's because you're bored. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, partly that. Yeah. Partly <laughs> that. But I think, look, if, if we believe what's been written, which is that Arsenal put loads of groundwork into this, convinced Declan Rice that it's the place to come, and Declan Rice now now believes that Arsenal is the best choice, which is what we keep hearing. I'm not even saying that he would pick us 100% over Man City. It's just what we keep being told. You know, those articles I keep referring to that keep recycling the same old stuff. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. If I'm Declan Rice and I know that Arsenal know what they need to pay and you've just spent the last six months telling me how much you want me and how I'm the centre of this project, I'll be looking at this thinking... What are you playing at if it drags on for too much longer? I think at the moment we're still within that period of time where it's acceptable to negotiate. It's early in the window. Declan Rice knows how it works. He's not silly. He 
He knows it's a business. He knows Arsenal want to pay as least money as possible and West Ham want to gain as much money as possible. But I think there would come a point where if Arsenal allowed Manchester City to, to go past them in the race, Declan Rice might look at it and go, how bloody serious are you about signing me? How important am I to you? And how much of a priority am I actually? So I worry that if we dwell on this for too much longer, you're not just risking having a breakdown in the relationship with West Ham and, and the negotiations becoming more difficult. You're also risking sending the wrong message to the player who, as we understand, you spent ages trying to convince and, and you've spent ages sort of propping this project up to. So I don't think Arsenal can afford to wait now. I think Arsenal have to make the next offer. I think they have to speak to West Ham and make sure that whatever offer they put in formally is going to be accepted or don't put one in at all and walk away from it. It's one or the other now. If you want the player, find out exactly what it's going to take, put that money down and get to the next stage of this transfer, which will be hashing out the personal terms once you've got the agreement from the club. The longer we stay in this limbo, the more risk we run of Manchester City sneaking past us, taking him, convincing him that Arsenal aren't that interested or aren't as interested as they say they are, aren't as serious as they said they were. And that gives them even more ammunition in the battle to convince him that theirs is the right place to go. So I think we need to get on with it. Uh, Rahul says, we just made 150 million coming second in the Premier League, 35 million from the Europa League. TV money next season will be higher and so will gate receipts. I think we have enough money since we aren't giving the whole cash up front. What I would say is people are very quick to forget about the outgoings. Uh, you know, we have to actually, there's expenditure, you know, being a football club that you have to pay a lot of money for. You know, it's not just investment in player um, transfer fees, it's wages, it's the intermediaries that are paid for, you know, the staff at the club have to be paid for, the running costs of the Emirates Stadium are paid for, you know, people just assume that you make this money and it can just all go on players, it's not the reality, there is so much else that needs to be paid for, so yes, we're a very wealthy club, and yes, you'd say on paper that we should be, be able to, you know, compete with the Chelsea's of this world spending stupid amounts of money but there are drawbacks that we've you know we have spent poorly in the last 10 years on players we have not sold well enough uh, in the market either and that as well as what Harry talked about earlier in terms of what we are paying in terms of structures catching up on us yes but also the fact that we have not made enough money in the market is going to catch up with us as well few more before we wrap up uh, Marcus says Charlie why would we loan holding uh, this of course comes off the back of a report from uh, I think it was Joe Krishnan of the Express earlier on today suggesting that Besiktas uh, are in talks over a potential loan move for Rapolding. Marcus says, sell him and add that couple of million to help with the rice deal. Uh, Marcus, I mean, a lot of Arsenal, fan, a lot of Arsenal fans, um, not really a big lover of holding. Um, but unfortunately, uh, from what I've read, Arteta is a massive fan. And what we've seen over the years, his commitment to the club has been has been fantastic. Um, he's that man that we bring on five at the back when we need to go for the three points. And he, he he's come on when uh, when the likes of Saliba or Gabriel have been out, especially Saliba. Um, but again, I wish it was as easy as that to, to sort of loan or sell. I think that couple of million could sort of push it over the line. But um, I think the boys will agree with me here. I don't think it's quite as, as easy and that's how it sort of works. Um, but yeah. Fair enough. Uh, one more question. Uh, we've got two 
questions uh, that I kind of won. Uh, Natnail says, Harry, Tom, my fear is that if we keep missing our first targets again and again, Arteta will start to get frustrated. With all those big clubs looking for a manager at some point, Arteta may plan to move. And there was another question that I should have starred and I didn't, but it basically asked something along uh, the same lines around kind of the... I think the question was something, do you think there could be friction built between the manager and the owners if players like Rice aren't secured? Yeah, eventually. Um, I don't think we're at that point yet with Mikel Arteta. I think he's he's still very much on board. He still understands where he's at in his career as well, I think, and, and the fact that he's still on a learning curve too. Um, but there will come a point where he will grow frustrated and he will look at some of the other clubs and think, well, if I go here, I've got the tools to be able to win the biggest trophies. And make no mistake about it, Mikel Arteta is an ambitious guy. He wants to be regarded as one of the best football managers on the planet. And he's not going to get there unless he wins the big trophies. And if he gets to a point where he feels like that's no longer possible at Arsenal, then yeah, we run the risk of losing him. Um, we really, really do. It's the thing is, the football landscape is is changing, and I know this is a wider debate. You could probably do a whole podcast on this, but we're getting to the point now where ownership is everything. And yes, I think we're proud of the way our club is run and the values that our club upholds, but we also know the reality, and the reality is that there is going to be a time where we can probably no longer compete with state-run football clubs. And, you know, there's talk about the Qataris potentially getting hold of Manchester United as well. I mean, they're a big enough juggernaut as it is financially. Imagine with that back in what they'd be. So mm. there's Man United, there's Man City, there's Newcastle, who eventually you feel are going to put all that into practice. Um, you know, how do you keep up with those football clubs? And the gap is getting bigger, not just between Premier League clubs, but between the Premier League and all the other leagues in Europe as well. And you're going to get to a point where you're just talking about a completely different landscape and a completely different game. So I think although we can be frustrated with our ownership and we can be frustrated with the fact that maybe we don't have the money to do all of these deals, I think we have to just acknowledge that the reason for that is probably to do with the wider football landscape rather than just Arsenal not being run right. Um, and I think if you can accept that, then you can accept the reality and then you can understand why we are where we are. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to round the show off there. Uh, thank you, everyone that's tuned in to today's episode. It's been very enjoyable indeed. Fantastic answers and words from my two guests today. Firstly, Harry, thank you so much, mate, for your time. Very much appreciated. Tell people where they can find you, my friend. Yep. Check out the Chronicles of Aguna Arsenal podcast. Then you can find me on Twitter at Harry Simu, where you'll see whatever I'm up to on the day <laughs> absolutely uh, and yes it's felt like years that he's known me now supposedly but uh charlie <laughs> thanks you hold me to that now <laughs> that's, that's never going anywhere um but thank you charlie for your time really appreciate it tell people to can find you mate um like i said yeah here we go i got it right this time uh this is my name you can find me here on instagram and my twitter is very much similar see what our tv um and like I said earlier, I can see my face sort of everywhere. We've got some really, really exciting projects um, coming up ahead of the new season, the chaotic new season that we're all looking forward to with hopefully uh, we'll be reporting about Declan Rice's Arsenal shirt. You never know. Mm. 
Keep our fingers crossed. So you can be sure that we'll be covering all of that and more on the channel, as will these boys on their own too. So make sure that you are subscribed uh, to Haters and, of course, Chronicles of Aguna as well. Um, please do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. If you're new to the channel, welcome, first of all, and please do subscribe. I hope you're enjoying the content. There won't be any evening shows uh, for the next few days or so because I'm leaving for Denmark tomorrow, but there will still be... I'm hoping, if the hotel Wi-Fi is good enough, uh, the 8 a.m. shows will still be running. Still going, Harry. It's still going to be running. Even though Mate, we're in a different Tom, country. just just go on holiday and have a break, man, for God's sake. I can't I've do told it. him that as well. I've told him that as well. I, I can't do it. I'm obsessed. Just <laughs> go, to, go to bed, right? Go, go to bed at night. Don't think about mm. the 8 a.m. show. Get up mm. at 9 a.m. Go and enjoy your holiday for a few days and come back and, and the kingdom will still be there. Don't worry. Look, I, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go away, I'll miss a day, and then all of a sudden, Chronicles of Aguna have an 8 a.m. show going on. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> not that you don't have to worry about that because there's not a chance that I will sit in front of a camera at 8 a.m. on a daily basis. <laughs> Only I am that mad, it seems. Um, no, thank you, everybody that's tuned in. Uh, I'll be seeing you uh, tomorrow morning before I do head off uh, to the airport, but I really appreciate all of you. I appreciate massively Charlie and Harry as well for jumping on once again. And uh, we'll see you again. Uh, very soon have a fantastic evening enjoy yourselves and as always stay safe stay well and up the Arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.